Today's reading is Luke 24, 36 to 48. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, This is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Thank you, Verity. And good morning, one and all. About 50 years ago, my mother was in her front room at home, having just received the very worst of news from the surgeon who'd been working on my father's eye. Uh, his heart had stopped during the procedure, and it didn't look like he would survive the night. She was prepared for the worst by the surgeon and sent home. And as she sat in her front room, she fell to her knees and asked for God's help. And what she reports is that she saw Jesus, a vision of Jesus, who appeared before her. She had a conversation. The long and short of it, it's a long story for another time, but the long and short of it is Within a few days, my father was back at home in his right mind and with a functioning eye. Now, my mother is in no doubt that the impossible became possible on that day. We just heard one of the accounts of the appearances of Jesus to various of the disciples following the event of his death, burial, and resurrection. The impossible had happened. And Jesus told the disciples, you are witnesses to these things. Now let me just give you a whistle-stop reminder of the appearances of Jesus in Luke. First, Mary Magdalene, who had known Jesus for a few years by now, 
didn't recognize him. He appeared to her in a garden, in the garden of the tomb, and she thought he was a gardener until he called her by name and she recognized him. Next, Cleopas and another disciple were walking on the road to Emmaus from Jerusalem. And on that seven-mile journey, they didn't recognize the man who was with them was Jesus. Not until he did something familiar to them. He broke bread and they recognized who it was. Next is the turn of the disciples. Uh, the section we've just heard. They didn't know who this was in the room with them. The doors were locked, according to another account. And Jesus appeared amongst them. They were shocked, they were frightened. They thought he was a ghost. Now, all of these events have recurrent features within them. There's an initial failure of recognition. There's doubt. There's disbelief. And all of that gives way eventually to amazement and wonder. Now, coming from a place of deep grief, as the disciples were at that time, it's perhaps understandable to see their denial and their disbelief. What they were witnessing was impossible. Not three days ago, they'd seen this man arrested, taken to trial before the Sanhedrin, before Herod, before Pilate, before all of those, he was humiliated, he was beaten, he was flogged, and he was sent to his death, carrying his own cross, before being horribly crucified. And the disciples were witnesses to all these things. They watched for three hours as he slowly gave up his life and died. Then they witnessed as his body was taken down, taken to a tomb, a stone rolled in front. This Jesus was dead. He was gone. And then came Sunday morning. And not only was the tomb empty on Sunday morning, but people started reporting sightings of this Jesus. This is impossible. He's dead. They saw it just a few days ago. He was dead and buried and gone. And then in this upper room, he stands before them, breathing, talking, eating, alive. And just for the removal of any doubt... This was not a resuscitation, as Tom Wright points out in his book, Simple Christianity. 
even had Jesus, by some error on the part of Roman soldiers, who, by the way, were experts in killing. And not only that, it was their duty to perform these executions. And in fact, it was more than their job was worth, more than their life was worth to get this wrong. They would not have let his body down had he not been dead. Of course, we read about that in the Gospels. Jesus' legs weren't broken where the other two who were crucified with him had their legs broken to speed their death. His legs weren't broken because, we're told, he was already dead. And just to make sure of it, the soldiers plunge a spear into his side. He is dead. He's taken down and put into a tomb. And if by some amazing circumstance he had managed to survive that or be resuscitated in the tomb, it would have taken him weeks of recuperation, not the days between his burial and the first appearance to the disciples. So, besides, he appears in a locked room and he vanishes in the sight of others. I'm just saying, they are witnesses to the impossible. It's little wonder then that we read they couldn't believe and for amazement and joy, uh, with amazement and joy, they grappled with this disbelief. But Jesus had told them about this impossibility before. I want you to cast your mind back, if you will, to Matthew 19. And we read there the story of a wealthy young ruler who came up to Jesus and asked Jesus what he needed to do to be saved, to which Jesus replied, keep the commandments. I've kept the commandments uh, since I was a boy, he retorted. And Jesus said, well, only one thing you need to do now, give up all that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. The young man couldn't do it because, as the Bible tells us, he had great wealth. And Jesus went away from that meeting sad and said to his disciples, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a, a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, the, the eye of a needle being the small gate by the side of a large gate in an ancient city wall. Uh, the small gate is for people to go through. The large gate is for the laden camels to go through. It's a taxation method, really. You can open the big gate. You can take the camels through. You can tax them for what they have uh, on their backs. Uh, they can't get through the eye of a needle by design. It's impossible. It's impossible for you and for me to enter the kingdom of heaven with all our riches. The disciples were in amazement at this and said to Jesus, well, who then can be saved? And Jesus spoke to them and said, for you, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Uh, as I've been writing this, actually, 
that particular line has made the, the hair stand up on the back of my neck and my arms. It's done it again. There's something about this moment in Scripture that is key to us here. And in this upper room, amongst the disciples, we become witness to this impossibility that God has now made possible. And we either believe it or we don't. Now, I can empathize with Thomas, who in John's version of this story, he can't believe what he's seen. And he states that he will not believe it until he puts his finger into the holes in Jesus' hands and in his side. Well, Jesus obliges him by appearing before him and inviting him to do exactly that, at which point he declares, my Lord and my God, because there's nowhere else to go when the impossible becomes possible. Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe to Thomas. If we believe the impossible, then death is not the end. In life, corruption and grief and pain, they're not the end. We may, like Jesus, experience them, but they're not the end of God's story for us. Or through us to a broken world to which we are witnesses of a new hope. Only a few weeks ago, this community prayed for my neighbor, who was also on his deathbed, and his wife had had the same call from the hospital, from him, his final call as he was intubated and put into a coma with COVID-19. I can only imagine what that must feel like. Like my mother, prayer became the answer. And this community prayed for my neighbor. My wife, who's great at that stuff, I think she has a gift for healing, though maybe she doesn't know it, arranged for people to pray. And people really came to the fore and prayed. Within a week, he was back at home with his daughters and his wife again. Now, whatever you think of it, to his wife and to him, they believe that the impossible became possible. God has brought a message of hope through us. And life amongst us, literally through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and literally, that life cannot be extinguished. 
It means that the impossible in our lives is possible if only we believe. And so this morning, the question is simple. What do we believe? Do we believe the impossible? That Jesus rose from the dead, just as he said he would, just as the author of life is bound to do. If so, then we too are witnesses to these things. This morning, I'd like to invite you to ask that question of yourself again. And as we ask that question, what do we believe? Do we believe this? Let's open our hearts to God and ask God what He requires of us, what He wants of us. In a moment, we're going to say together the Apostles' Creed, which is a statement of belief. Now, it may be that for you, you've never really connected with this story before. And if that's you this morning, I invite you to join and declare your belief in this man, Jesus Christ, and that he rose from the dead and did the impossible. It may be that you are familiar with all of this, that you have known God for many years, but maybe somehow that belief is tested and doubts arise, just like the disciples. And if so, I invite you to open your heart again as we read this creed. And maybe you simply want to reaffirm to God what you believe, like the Apostle John when he first went into the tomb and declared that he believed. Either way, this morning we have the opportunity to let God live in our lives again, to be alive. And when that happens, the impossible becomes possible. Perhaps we could put up the words of the Apostles' Creed. And just before we read it, Lord, we pray together that as we remember your story, you will live in us again. And we say together these words. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, 
born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection 